Thank you so much. Appreciate the message as well. Uh, Luke chapter 15 this morning. Luke chapter 15. Very familiar text. But uh, for one, the Lord placed on my heart early in the week. Now I want to say, before we start, before we even read the scripture this morning, that if there's anyone present, you never know who may be here, children, teenager, adults, somebody hadn't been here in a while, somebody new. Is there anyone present here today and you're not sure that you're saved or you know you're not saved? I want you to please pay attention to what the preacher has to say today. Secondly, you may be here today and you know you're saved. But as we look into our text today, I want you to have the Lord speak to your heart because you may not be right with the Lord. You may be distant from the Lord in your relationship with him since you've been saved. So please... Please hear me. Please listen to the Holy Spirit today. And I want to read one verse and we'll get started. And that's in Luke 15 and verse 20. Luke 15 and verse 20. And he arose and came to his father. But when he was yet a great way off, his father saw him. And had compassion and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. Here's my thought today and we'll pray. He ran and he ran. He ran and he ran. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for your word. And Lord, how many times we've gone through some of these Bible stories, these accounts were... People were saved, people were restored, people were helped. And Lord, yet you just bring out a phrase or a verse or even a word sometimes to get our attention. And I pray today, Lord, the Holy Spirit would help me to deliver this message in such a way that if there's someone here that does not know Jesus, that they'll understand today's the day of their salvation. And then, Lord, I pray you take the same text and some other verses that we'll look at, and I pray, Lord, that you'll deal with a saint that's distant, far away from the Lord. And I pray, Lord, you do a great work here. Be with our children's program going on right now. We thank you for the deaf with us today from Deaf Church. We pray that you use the interpreters to help them get the message, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. He ran, and he ran. I want to consider, as we start, so you understand where I'm going here, I want us to look at two positions. There's the position of a man in our story, but then there's the position of God in the story. And I want to focus on the relationship between the two, between God and the man. But I want to turn to one other text, if you would oblige me, in Mark chapter 5, if you, you go there with me, Mark chapter 5, it's a completely different story, but it's going to help us. Sometimes I feel like the Lord leads me to another passage to kind of explain where I want to go. And this is the text. In Mark chapter 5, we have a different story, but look what happens here. In Mark chapter 5, verse 1, And it came to pass that as the people pressed upon him to hear the word of God, 
He stood by the lake of Gennesaret, saw two ships standing by the lake, but the fishermen were gone out of them and were washing their nets. And he entered into one of the ships, which was Simon's, and prayed him that he would thrust out a little from the land. And he sat down and he taught the people out of the ship. Now when he had left speaking, he said unto Simon, Launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a drought. And Simon answered and said unto him, Master, we have told all night and have taken nothing. Nevertheless, at thy word, I will let down the net. Now here, the disciples knew the Lord and he had given them something to do. And in the passage, as he's giving them something to do, um, they were going to learn something about their relationship with the Lord. And I want us to understand that before salvation, you do know this, that God knows who you are and where you're at and where you'll be someday. And God has a plan for all of our lives. I didn't know, as I mentioned this morning, 48 years ago when I first kind of started going to church. I've been to a few churches prior to that, but go to a church where the Lord started really working on my heart. And I wasn't saved for about two years later. But, you know, God is working in our hearts before salvation. And then the Lord will lead us to himself. And then, of course, the Lord works in our life after salvation. Now, I, I, I see a likeness here in these two texts, but I also want to be reminded how the Lord deals in different people's lives. The Lord, he loves everybody. He wants everybody to be reached. And there are some people that if we look at their life, we'd estimate them as that's a good candidate for salvation. Look at them. And there's others we look at and say, I don't know if God can even save that one. There was such a man, as the Lord was ministering here, by the Lake Gennesaret, he was a man who had demons. He had devils. And um, he, in his lost state, people were afraid of him. He was cutting himself and running in the tombs. And we know the story, most, I think. He did not know the Lord. But you know, he wanted to know the Lord. And the Bible says in his story that this man, he runs to Jesus although he was afar off. And then our text we started with in Luke chapter 15, we have a man that he knew his father, but he's running away from his father. But here's the big thing here in the story. God's running toward him. You see, before we were saved, we're all running away from God, and God is pursuing us. We have... This man of the Gennesaret where the Lord was, and he was dealing with his own disciples about trying to win people that needed him. But here's this crazy person that nobody wanted to deal with. Ask yourself this morning, how open are you to witness of the gospel of Jesus Christ to people that you really don't want to witness to? But you know the Lord loves them. And you know you have a society running away from God, but you know what God's doing? God's running toward them. Just like he ran toward me, just like he ran toward you. This uh, madman, sometimes we call of Gadara, he's running to Jesus from being afar off, but yet we have a prodigal son who knows the father, and he's running away from the father, but the father's pursuing him. What a wonderful picture of our God 
in the scriptures. That he loves sinners. He loves the prodigals. And he runs toward them in order to give them what? Give them forgiveness, give them restoration, redeem them, reconcile them unto himself, and to have a relationship with him. Hallelujah for that. What a great God we have. What a great God. A God and a Father that is loving, he's long-suffering, he's gracious, he's merciful. I like this about him. He's compassionate, and he's willing to pardon. He's willing to pardon. Those that come to him that are far off. I want to take a deeper look this morning at this thought. He ran, and then he ran. Okay. First, notice with me in Luke chapter 15, the sinner's place. Back in our opening text, the sinner's place. It says he took his journey into a far country in verses 11 through 13. He took his journey into a far country. Here we see that Jesus is afar off in the mind and the spiritual comprehension of this prodigal that we're looking up to today. The sinner's not looking for God. The Bible says no man seeketh after God. They're lost. They're undone. They're unregenerate. But there's a God looking for them. There's a God run, not, not just walking toward him. Our story shows a God that ran toward the, the prodigal, the one that was far from him. This man of Gadara that we mentioned, he has a character. We all do. And his character flaw shows up. Uh, a contrast between this man of Gadara who is needy, and the contrast of the prodigal, who's also needy. The first man runs to God. The rebel runs away from God. God has a lot of children that are rebellious. I remember my pastor teaching on the home many years ago, and it kind of helped me as a parent when he said, you know, we get down on ourselves because our kids maybe aren't what we want them to be, especially when they grow up and they kind of run afar from God. And we said, well, I'm a bad parent. Well, I have a question for you. Was God a bad parent? You see, there's a thing called a free will. And we all have it, and we choose to either walk with God or run away from God. Maybe there's some parents hurting today. Listen, don't be too hard on yourself. A good parent will care. A good parent will do all they can. They'll keep searching. They'll keep thinking, what could I do? What could I have done better? What can I do about this situation? I know my child's cold of heart or distant. My daughter's not where she ought to be. My son's not where he ought to be. But God wasn't a bad God. Doesn't mean that every parent's a bad parent because people have their own will to do or not do God's will. We see the character of this man. This prodigal. He's wanting to get out of the father's house. Next we see his understanding. This mad demon-possessed man in, in Mark's gospel. He, he, uh, he knew little of the love of Christ, yet he wanted to approach him. I said some months back, I don't even remember how many months. Could have been ten months, could have been a year, could have been two years ago. I don't know. The way I think sometimes. But you know, there's a, there's a story where they're out there fishing and the storm comes. That's out of nowhere. And the Lord calms that sea. And you know, it was right there when they were on their way to Gennesaret. And there's somebody up on a hillside 
probably seeing that amazing scene of a miracle of the Lord calming the sea. Peace, be still. It could have been, probably was, this madman. And so when Jesus came to the shore, he comes running to him because he thinks that guy can do something for him. I want you to know whatever your storms are in your life this morning, whatever you're dealing with, he can do something for you. I can't. No, no man can. But the Lord certainly can. But we see that this, uh, this man that was just so vile, nobody wanted anything to do with him, the man, the madman of Gadara, he had a character flaw. He had many of them. He was full of devils, but he ran to the Lord. We see his understanding because he knew who Jesus was, and he ran toward him. Yet we think of the prodigal in Luke 15. He knew the father, but he did not know the heart of the father. And then we see the condition. The devil possessed man. He had no hold on the Savior, but he ran told him in hopes of mercy. Yet the prodigal lost his claim with the father, and he ran away. There's a distance between the sinner and the Savior, and for the sinner, it's immeasurable. We can't calculate the distance between a sinner and God. But the distance between a prodigal son and his father, listen now, it is repairable. It is repairable. Somebody's got to move. I'm glad God always made the first move. He made the first move. And even with prodigals, maybe you're not where you ought to be today. You know what? God's, God's moving toward you. How distant we are from God at times as Christians. But I want to say something. If you're here today and you're not saved, listen, you are far, you are far away, our story says, in your lost state. If you're not saved this morning, you're not born again, uh, your relationship with God is null and void. The Bible says in Ephesians, we're dead in trespasses and sin. You're not just, oh, I'm just kind of sin sick. No, you're dead. Friend, you're dead. You have nothing spiritual in you. That has to be awoken by the Holy Spirit of God in the Word of God. Amen. Amen. And then God will give you new life. But so we see these two contrasts. The sinner's place is afar off. But then we see the prodigal's departure. Look at Luke chapter 15 again and take a look at verse 13. It's a very familiar story to most of us, I would think. And not many days after the younger son gathered all together and took his journey into the far, a far country, there, they, and there wasted his substance with riotous living. And when he had spent all, there arose a mighty famine in the land, and he began to be in want. And he went and joined himself unto a citizen of that country, and he, he, uh, and, and he sent him into his fields to feed the swine. This is the sad part. And he would fain have filled his belly with the husk that the swine did eat, and no man gave to him. The, the prodigal's departure. This story of the prodigal in Luke 15, he's a rebellious and departing son. And uh, he thought that he would just approach his father as he pleased. It's amazing to me how many people that say they know God, say they love God, and the way they treat God. The way they treat God. He thought, I'll go and talk to my father when I please, if I please, when I please. 
And he didn't run toward the Father to get right. He ran toward the Father and came into the Father's presence to tell him what he thought without ever thinking what the Father felt or thought. You're talking about brazen. You're talking about disrespectful. Pastor Williams mentioned at the end of his Sunday school lesson about the kids, you know, the prophet, the bald-headed prophet, and the kids came out and made fun of the bald-headed prophet. And uh, he sent out, the Bible says, she-bears, and they devoured or attacked him, thrashed him. I can't remember what the text says. But Jeremiah made reference of that. And I noticed just before that, Mark got up and left. I think he knew it was coming. But anyway, <laughs> he was talking about respecting one another in the body of Christ. And my wife leaned over to me and she said, specifically, it was about disrespecting the man of God. Amen. Most people are. A lot of people aren't. But we live in a society that doesn't respect much of anything especially God. Amen. And a lot of God's people don't respect God. They use God's name in vain. They don't respect God by the way they live their life, the way they conduct their, their life, and so forth. But here's this prodigal son. He, he's just tired of home. He's tired of the father's house. He's tired of the rules. He's tired of the regulations. And He's been dreaming about getting out of that house. And he comes boldly into his father's presence so he can be close to him. No, so he can tell his dad what he thought. And he left. He had little thought of how his foolishness would bring ruin upon his own life. And he had no thought of how his rebellious life would hurt others that would be connected with him by his foolish choices and lifestyle. I've seen it over and over and over and over again. You see, he was only thinking of self. Now, we're dealing with two contrasts here today. Yeah, we're dealing with a sinner that needs to be saved, but we're also dealing with a, a Christian person that's acting like they're lost. Oh, they, they look okay when they come to church every once in a while, but God knows our heart. Now, notice with me this story, this prodigal son, the juncture of his departure. Prior to his departure... Into the far country, he hated his place in the family. We are told that he is the younger son. As a younger son, he might have felt overlooked. As a younger son, he might have felt that he was never taken seriously. If you, there's so much truth in this text. You run ahead of the story, the elder brother has an attitude that God is. God, that the father is gracious to the rebellious son. That's another message. I know a lot of Christians that way. Elder brother attitudes, but that's another message. But this young man can't wait to get out from under his father. This prodigal hated his place. I remember when Daniel, our, our third son, was growing up. Steve and Joseph, of course, were the older boys. And Daniel, you know, Dan, Trisha uh, come, and then Daniel come along and and lots of times I'd say, Pam, I'm going to take me and the boys to the store. And, I, and, then, and Daniel too. And I can imagine in his mind, he's thinking, I'm a boy. <laughs> but it was always me and the boys and Daniel. And you know, when Daniel grew up, he kind of had an attitude problem. Some of you that taught Sunday school, you remember him as a boy. Oh, he was a sneaky little boy. Oh, he, 
He looked good on the outside, but boy, he had a heart problem. And I think sometimes the way he got under two older brothers and older sister, it kind of like he didn't, he didn't count. And we didn't really realize it until we got a little older raising him that he had a heart problem over that. And I tried to behave myself today. I'll say, uh, honey, me and the boys, and oh, me and the boys are going to go do this. I don't know, some of you family members had, sibling, had several children. The siblings have rivalries. Those things are real. But so we can understand in this story how this younger, this younger son who had already done the work, but he never got any credit. At least he didn't think he got any credit. He's got a bad attitude. He's got a heart problem with the father. He's got a heart problem with the older brother. He's got a heart problem. There might be some Christians here today. You've got a heart problem. You've got a bad attitude because you feel like somebody's not treating you with respect. Well, let me ask you something. How do you respect God? How do you respect your father? How do you respect the brethren? How do you respect your wife, your husband? How do you respect your pastor? How do you respect the saints of God? Amen. The juncture of his departure, he didn't, like, he didn't like where he was. He didn't like the rules. He didn't like the restraints. He didn't like the responsibility that was placed upon him in the Father's house. And he, he's working in the field, in the family business. He didn't like that. He just thought, I'm getting out of here. When I get out of here, I'm going to do what I want to do. He longed to be free from the Father. He wanted his own independence. What he considered the family was doing at the time this text was unacceptable to him. He wanted to try new things. Things that he only heard about but never tried himself. Listen, young people. Listen, young people. I know in the upbringing you get to a place where you're starting to mature, and that's a good thing. You need to be independent. You need to think for yourself. You need to know how to work. Amen. You need, to, you need to grow up. But if you're under your parents' roof, you're under their influence and their authority. That's God's way. But you are growing up. And he's growing up in this home that he didn't like to be in, and he just wanted to break free. He wanted to try these new things, things he was never allowed to try. He wanted a life without rules and without regulations. He wanted liberty to live as he pleased, go where he wanted, do as he wished, hang out with those buds he was going to meet and live it up. You know, that's what all prodigals think. So he came to the father and he barged in to his father and he demanded his portion. And he said, Father, give me the portion that is mine. And so what did the father do? The father gave him his portion. And then we read in the same story the extent of his choices. He never dreamed where his wants and dreams and passions would lead him in a very short time. Now, the Bible doesn't give us a time period here from the time that the prodigal leaves the father's house and the time he's in the hog pen. But it sounds to me it didn't take very long. He took his inheritance and departed in the far country to live the life that he had always thought of. 
He raced headlong into temptation that he now allowed himself to discover. He sought after new friends and new experiences and new lusts with his unbridled heart and mind. And he allowed himself to, ex- uh, to, to experience everything his flesh desired, and in no time he found himself in a big mess. Morally, emotionally, economically, most importantly, spiritually. Young people, listen. Won't be long. You'll be grown up. And some of you are chomping, so I want to grow up now. I don't like these rules. I don't like these regulations. My mom says I can wear this, but I can't wear that. My dad's always getting on me about this. And get, I'll tell you what, I'm just a few years off, and I'm going to be 18, and I'm going to be mature. I'm not picking on you. I'm trying to help you today. You're in a safe place. Say, preacher, you don't know my home life. I'm not in a safe place. Let me tell you what. If you're sitting in church this morning, you have parents that allow you to come to church or parents that bring you to church, you're in a safer place than you realize because there's a real big bad world out there. And you're going to experience it pretty soon. And so this prodigal, he running from his father's house, his father's wisdom, his father's instruction, his father's love. And he thinks he's going to run his life down. In no time, we find in the story that he's in poverty, he's in loneliness, and he's in... Oh, when he left, he had a pile of money in his pocket. I don't know if you do what I do sometimes. Sometimes I, I don't intentionally do it, but, you know, I'll get a bunch of ones, and it'll look like I'm a rich man. And struggling down in the middle of there might be a 10 or maybe even a 20. But man, he gets you a big old pile of money. He got him a big old pile of money, put it in his pocket. He went off and he went and had him a time. He had friends left and right. He partied. It was a great time. It was a great time, but a great time. But the money started to get thin. And the money ran out. And where was all his friends? All those friends that helped him, you know, Drink it up and party down and take a toke and all those friends that were there for him and try this and now the big thing's vaping. Hey, try this vaping thing. It'll be a blessing. Hey, young people, kids are dying from that. They're dying from that because they're taking in pure stuff so concentrated that no adult through nicotine addiction or pot that they smoke got into years ago. It's a different day. It's a different... It, it's a different, um, uh, uh, oh, strength. It's killing people. It's addicting people. So, preacher, hey, you'd be surprised who I'm talking to this morning. Not just young people. Huh? Well, we clean up pretty good. In no time, he's in trouble. He did not stop his foolishness until he wasted his substance in, Bible says, riotous living. In a lifetime of work and sweat and saving and profit of the father and the father business went down the drain. In no time. Now the prodigal 
was feeling and living the consequences of his foolish heartedness. He was barely surviving each day. No comforts, no peace, no fun, no more, no future. Y'all know somebody like this? I do. I know people like this. He was now living in the hog pen and eating what the hogs ate. But he wasn't more soft-hearted. You think he went going through that, he would have just said, well, i got to get back to the front. No, no, he was even more resolute. He was even more hard-hearted than before. And he determined one thing. I don't care how bad it gets. Listen to young people. Listen to all. I don't care how bad it gets. I'm not going back to the Father. Now, I know some people here today, you're saved. You're going to heaven. Yeah, you trusted Christ when you were in VBS. You got saved in the youth department. You got saved maybe as your little kid kneeling next to mama's bed. That's fine. That's great. You got born again. But how close are you to your Father, your heavenly Father? Again, you could be sitting in church this morning. You got a tie on. You might even have a coat on. You got a dress on. You look kind of churchy. You, you look kind of Baptisty churchy. But God knows your heart. God knows what people don't know. You think you do something behind a closed door? God, you can't hide your sin from God. You can't hide your heart from God. Amen. But you'd think he'd have been soft-hearted. No, he's more hard-hearted. And he is not going to admit his fault. He is not going to admit his failures. The last person he wants to visit is dad after messing up like he's messed up. And listen, folks, we're talking, this is a Jewish story. This is a Jewish text. And you got a Jew in the hog pen. Now, that's not where Jews go. He lost it. The position, the respect, the bounty that he could have had in the father's house and the family business could have been his. Now it's all gone, and there are no friends, no fun, no money, no respect, no satisfaction. It's all gone. It's all gone quickly. Listen, young people, listen to all. You can be walking with the Lord, and you, you can be in such a mess so quick, you can't even imagine. Because of choices. And here's the sad part of this tale at this time. No man gave unto him. Hear that. No man gave unto him. You know, we got such a good God. Now, we don't think this way. We got such a good God. He's such a good father. He'll allow us to make our own choices. Uh, when I was growing up, my parents said, talked about people getting in trouble. So they made their bed. Let them lay in it. You ever heard that before? God's such a good God. He'll do that. So you know what good parenting is sometimes? Let your kids. Let your kids, because you can't control them when they get older. Let them make their mistakes, because you know what? God's working. God is working. All the glitter and all the shine and all the fun now is gone. All the friends, all the party and all the money, it's now spent. The only thing left with him right now is shame and regret. Because the text says he is in the hog pen, eating what the hogs ate. This is what departing from the presence of the Lord will do for a Christian. It will leave us far away from God.
When we allow our flesh to rule us, our sins to overcome us, we'll be left with nothing but broken dreams and broken lives and broken hopes and broken hearts. And not just us, but the people that we're closest to. Amen. This is the lot of all mankind today who refuses God. Now I'm talking about lost people. If you're here today, you're not truly saved, you're not truly born again, listen, you're in a far country. You're far from God. In our choices, sometimes we run further and further from God. I am so thankful. I am so thankful that there were some dedicated, consecrated Christians when I was a young man that pointed me to Jesus. They were sold out. I often think, where would I be today if it wasn't for these people who showed me Jesus, preached Jesus to me, brought me to Christ? Lost people have no hope of eternity with God. You know, we had a world today that thinks, okay, I'll live my life, do what I want, and then someday I'll go to church and get a little religious, but I'll wait till I'm older and I can't do anything else. One of these days, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get saved. One of these days, I'm going to get born again, but not right now. I, yesterday, I was, at, uh, I was at Walmart, and I was picking up some, some glass cleaners, and I come out, and there was a young man. He had, he had camouflage on. His wife had camouflage on, and I said to him, I, I said, hey, are you a hunter, or you just look like one? He looked at me. He said, no, we hunt. I said, okay. So I gave, gave him gospel track, told him about our hunter's banquet to come, explained it to him. She looked interested. She kind of perked up. He kind of went. So he looked up my track, and he said, you know what? I'm going to give this to my dad. My dad probably come to that. And he walked away. You know, that's kind of where we're. I hope his dad comes. I hope the track gets to dad's hand. Dad come. But for him, he was saying, I'm not interested. That's what he was saying. I'm not interested. That's our world today. No one's interested until... Checking out time. I live my life, do what I want to do, and then I'll go to church. You know, church is boring. Church is, how do you say boring at the deaf? Is that boring? Is that good right there? You said, preacher, this is boring. Well, <laughs> people think God and church and things of God are boring. No, they're not. Problem is, when your heart's right, it's not boring. When your heart's right, it is not boring. But, you know, for somebody that don't know God, it's boring. When somebody didn't write with God, it's boring. I can't imagine. I've been preaching about prodigals away from God, and you're rebellious, and you're running from your father's house, and your father's love, and some of you, you don't like this message. You are not comfortable with this message at all. It is boring. But those that are right with the Lord say, that's, that's right, preacher, that's good. But I want to get us to some good news here. The prodigal's return. Here's when it happened. It says in verse 20, and when he came to himself. That's the kicker, right? That's the clincher right there. He came to himself. He left the father's house a rebel. He left the father's house a renegade. He left the father's house destitute of good reason. He, 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 all he gained with his choices was pain and shame and loss and regret and sorrow and hunger and void and unhappiness and no peace and no satisfaction. That's what he gained by him getting out of the father's house. His steps were unwise and unworthy. His steps reduced him to wretchedness. 
The Bible says in Proverbs 13, 15, good understanding giveth favor, but the way of the transgressor is hard. I can't tell you in life how many people I've knocked on doors or met them in public arenas, and they'll tell me, yeah, I was raised in a Christian home. I had a praying grandma. I had a parent. I, I, I was raised right, but, you know, I went the wrong direction. And here's what happens so many times. So sad. They, they say, you know, they don't tell me this, but I'll invite them to church. I'll give them a track. I'll try to talk to them about Jesus. And they go, yeah. See, they hadn't got, they haven't come to themselves yet. They have not come to themselves yet. They, even, they don't even know that they're wretched. His foolishness left him empty and pitiful. But in Luke 15, 17, it said, When he came to himself, he said, How many hired servants of my father hath bread enough to spare? And I perish with hunger. And the great key ver- phrase of that, he came to himself. Next, we see the secret hope of sinners. Verse 20, look at it. And I'm getting to the he ran and he ran part. And he arose. And he came to his father, and when he was yet a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. The hope of the sinner, even the hope of the prodigal this morning, is that they see themselves afar off. If you're here today saved, are are you in good relationship with the Lord? Wonderful. Praise God. Be prayerful. See if God might do something in somebody's heart this morning. If you're saved, but you're not right with the Lord, you're not close to the Lord, you're distant, you may be in a far country from your Savior. But this man, when he was a great way off, his father saw him. God sees you just where you're at today. You know what his attitude is? Hey, uh, no, it's not that. He's not, he's not saying to you, you made your bed go light. God's not saying that. People say that. You may be working hard at it. But you know what the father's doing? He's, he's at his house and the son's coming home and he's looking down that long driveway. And he sees him. And then God comes running. The father comes running. He grabs him, kisses him, hugs him. That's the father. After all that happened, the sinners are far off, running away from God. God, on the other hand, our omnipotent, almighty, all-merciful, all-gracious, all-loving God, he coming toward us. But here's what he's looking for. He's looking for you and I to come to ourselves. When we come to ourselves, when we come to our senses, when we come to realization that I have done wrong, you take a step toward God, he comes running. Draw an eye to God, and he will what? Draw an eye to thee, to you. God the Father sees the sinner afar off. He recognizes they are in need of his love, his tenderness, his grace, his forgiveness, his pardon. But you had to take the first step. In the mind of God, he's already taken steps. He's on his way. You don't know that. 
He's waiting for you. The sinner's privilege. He had compassion, ran and fell on his neck, and he kissed him. The father ran to him. What a text. What a text. Waiting to forgive. Wanting to forgive. Willing to forgive. And here's the prodigal's reception. I love this part. Look at verse 18, 20, and we're done. It says here, I will arise and go to my father and say unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before thee. Now, that, he's got a change of attitude here. He's, a, he's out there running around, and then he got in the hog pen. God did a work in him. And again, parents, sometimes we've got to let him stay in the hog pen. I know some people in my life, they've been in the hog pen for a long time. And in my thinking, you know, the way I think, I think, man, I'd have got this right years ago. How many of you right now, you're kind of on the edges of the hog pen? Here's what we do. Let's see what see it's like over there in that hog pen. My parents have always told me, don't, don't you mess with that hog pen. It's not too bad. It's all right. Hey, it's all my friends are here. We're having a good time. And man, this is great. The stomach starts rumbling. You look at yourself, you're full of mud and filth, and you know what's in that hog pen, don't you? That's all over you, too. And then you begin smelling like it. And then nobody wants to be around you. We got a God in our filth. He's heading toward us. Not away from us, toward us. Because he knows, hey, he's coming to himself. She's coming to herself. And he says in his mind, when they do, here's what I'm going to do. Look at verse 18. I'll arise and go to my father. Verse 19. I am no more worthy to be called his son. Verse 20. And he arose and came to his father. Verse 21. And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in thy sight no more worthy to be called thy son. But the father said to his servants, bring forth the best robe and put it on him and put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet. Bring hither the fatted calf and kill it and let us eat and be merry. For this my son was dead and is alive again, was lost and is found, and they began to be merry. You know, you can't have all this preparation if the father just didn't care. Oh, he cared. And he's setting everything aside for the day that the son would come home. You know, you don't have a, a fatty calf without fattening the calf. So it was waiting there. And you talk about a party. They had a party. The father said, but here's, here's the truth here. When he was a great way off, when he was a great way off, the father saw him. The father had compassion. And the father started running. Help me out here, Gene. I'm going to walk toward you, and you, you get up, start walking. But I'm, I'm waiting here first. You start walking, come, like you're coming to the altar at church. Okay, here's what God does. God says, okay, he made his move, now I make mine. And the father meets him. Now, I know you're a Marine, and I don't like men. I mean, I like men, but I'm not, a, you know, you don't know what I mean. Yeah, I know. Yeah. But the father hugs his neck. Kisses him. And the father's rejoicing. Are you liking, are you liking this too much, Ken? Don't do that. 
<laughs> the Father comes and meets the Son. You know what needs to happen in church so much, and it doesn't happen like it used to happen in churches? When preachers got done preaching, and the Holy Spirit was working, and people were open, they would flood the altars at a church. They didn't care about what people thought. They didn't care about what people were thinking. They were just thinking, man, I, I, I want to get right with God. Sinners would say, I don't care what people say. I'm going to get saved. We're missing that today. But you know what's missing? God's always waiting. God's always ready. God's always willing. It's just people won't move. And he took a step, and God came out and made his approach. Amen? I remember, I don't know how many years ago, it wasn't that long ago, after Lorraine got saved, she said, well, my husband's not going to want anything to do with it. But see, God knew what he was doing. Because when he was coming in the driveway of this church to see her get baptized, God was walking toward him. And that's true for all of us that have ever been saved. So I have a question for you today. What are you waiting on? If you're lost and you need to be saved, I mean truly born again, I mean I'm going to repent, I'm going to ask God to forgive me, I'm going to start living for God. That's your heart. In this invitation we're going to give, you need to get up and you need to come say, Preacher, I, I, I'm not saved. Uh, Pastor, I'm not, I'm not sure if I'm saved. Because somebody, and we'll take the Bible and show you. Listen, God can open your heart up and you can be truly born again. And then if you're a saint, you're saved. You say, Preacher, I did that, I prayed that prayer, I remember doing that. But how close are you to the Lord? Now that you're a child of God, it ought not be. I just want to live my life. Let God, God leave me alone until it's time for me to die. And then I want you to embrace me and take me to heaven. I promise you, prodigal, you take a step toward God, he will run. Now here's the message we read this morning. He ran from God. But God ran toward him. Talked about that madman of Kadera. Everybody thought he was a nutcase. He'll never, he'll never amount to anything. They were all afraid of him. When he saw what Jesus did on that stormy sea, when Jesus put his foot on that coastline, there was that man running to him, wanting help. What are you going to do this morning? Are you going to keep doing this to God? Are you going to keep going away from God? You're going to do like Jane did. You got up and you come toward God. Now, I'm not God. Don't come toward me. But spiritually speaking, you make your step. God will make his steps. Let's pray. Father, thank you.